welcome everyone to our third channel of Saga Connects. So I'm here as your humble host, Safia, as the Head Initiatives Officer in Saga. Um, who I'm joined here with today is three guest speakers who are kind enough to give their time. So I have Mustafa and Jalan here in person and Siaman here joining us virtually online from Canberra. He was kind enough to give his time as well as our other two speakers. Thank you very much for joining. So just first off, um, this is just a main initiative brought up by Saga to hope to call in alumni and, you know, share their experiences of where they're at in life. You know, what you're studying currently, in which this case, it's Gamsam. <laughs> we'll relive those experiences of preparation, all the blood, sweat and tears put into it, inshallah. And, you know, as you guys are all med students in different unis, different years, different experiences. So just going off, um, I'll introduce Siama. So do you want to introduce yourself? What course you took, what year of uni you're in and what uni you go to? So uh, I'm currently a third year medical student at the Australian National University. Um, it's a postgraduate program, which is a four year program. Um, uh, in my undergraduate degree was uh, in math. The one that I used to get in was in um, mathematics, bachelor of science, advanced maths at the University of Sydney. I double, ma uh, double majored in pure maths and statistics. Um, so that's just a bit of summary, a bit of a summary about. Smart. Awesome. <laughs> and but what, I, yeah. But that wasn't, that's not the entire story, but... Um, we'll go into it a bit later. Cut that out. There's, there's more. It's not that we think. I did all these things, but that's not, that's not all I did. Yeah, we'll, go, <laughs> we'll probably dive into it a bit later. Yeah, then. we'll dive into it for sure. That's no. right. I saw some of the questions, so we'll have an opportunity to go back in. Awesome. Yeah. And what year did you graduate from Amity or Year 12? Uh, I graduated 2013. Awesome. And Jaylon, you also graduated from 2013 as well. So would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> to yeah, sure. Uh, Siamz and I actually did extension maths classes together oh. in high school, so this is nice. Um, so I am at the University of Wollongong currently. I'm a first year medical student. And prior to this, I was at the University of Sydney also. I did a Bachelor of Medical Science and majored in anatomy, histology, um, cell pathology as well. So I liked looking at the macro as well as the micro. Um, and that was what I used to get in. <clears throat> awesome. And Mustafa? Hi, uh, my name is Mustafa. I'm a Sydney University graduate from Bachelor of Pharmacy and I'm currently doing um, Doctor of Medicine at University of Sydney as well. Um, unlike you, I actually hate anatomy and hate histology. <laughs> that's like the one thing that's bringing me down right now. Um, but yeah, so pharmacology is my go-to. Um, my last exam I got from last, but I'm very happy with that. Oh, wow. <laughs> but um, I, I, I nearly, nearly failed the anatomy part, so. I hate pharmacology, and I found out that my CV or tutor for this session is actually a pharmacist, so I'm very excited to I have think, that. I input. think together we would be like one good doctor. Right? <laughs> 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 Two halves of our uh, holy hideous or something. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, you know, give us an insight into your actual journey of how, what made you, you know, what made you decide? Did you go straight from your course? and um, you know how that journey went. So we'll go with Siaman first, probably. Yeah, so it's a bit of a, a, bit of a strange journey. So I started off at um, University of Sydney. I started with the Bachelor of Engineering, um, which was my first mistake. Uh, we can go into why it was a mistake later, but I didn't enjoy it very much. It want. turned it into a Bachelor of Computer Science, mm. and I got all the credits for that. Um, I sat my games at the first time on that time uh, I did I did reasonably well but uh, not good enough to um, get an interview at University of Sydney it was I think one point off unfortunately um, and then uh, I decided to actually do what I enjoyed and what I was good at uh, which was maths so I did that and I finished two years of that and the third time I sat GAMSAT uh, I did really well and then I just applied to ANU and UCIT obviously I didn't get into UCIT so I got into ANU and so that's how I got there. Oh, wow. Would you be able to just quickly tell us in regards to why you went into medicine instead of sticking with either your engineering or your mathematics course? Yeah, so uh, I get that I get that a lot. I get that question a lot. Uh, a lot of people ask me, why did you choose medicine? Why did you not choose? I mean, if you're good at maths, if you like maths, why don't you stay with that? But I always say the same two things. The first thing is that just because you're good at something or just because you enjoy something doesn't mean you should make a profession out of it. You know, if you're good at music, doesn't mean you should be a musician. If you if you like playing video games, doesn't mean you should play video games for a living. No. So 
uh, there's a separation that should be made between vocation and uh, say interest, let's say. The second thing is that uh, I think, uh, I actually think passion, passion for something, passion for a subject comes later, comes after um, developing intention to become good at that thing. So this is, not, this is not an idea original to me, but this is an inversion of the idea that you have to follow your passions. I don't actually agree with that. So I, I had the idea that I want to become a doctor and there are many reasons why I want to become a doctor. But then from that, I would develop the kind of passion and interest and drive and, and I quite enjoy it now. That's quite a controversial uh, thing to say, to be honest. I think I feel like in this day and age, we're always told to follow our dreams and do what you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is very controversial. Um, um, so what I'm saying is it's not, it's not, this idea is not original to me. This, this is what I'm saying I read. Um, this is an author called Cal Newport. He's a professor of computer science. He has, he's a very prolific uh, author. Uh, and he had a book called So Good That They Can't Ignore You. He analyzes what goes into job satisfaction and, uh, and things like that. And he actually finds that there is no such thing as a predetermined passion that people have, uh, or at least if it exists, it's very rare. Uh, in reality, people, um, uh, there are three kind of components of satisfaction or passion which is autonomy, it's mastery, and the relationships that they build. And if you develop those three things, no matter what field you're in, you'll end up developing a passion for it. I think I agree with you in that aspect. Um, when I first went to pharmacy, I, I didn't know that if I enjoyed it or not. Um, I was really following in the footsteps of my, my brother and my, my dad. Um, they were always into health. My dad's a doctor, my brother's a pharmacist. Um, and I, I just thought I might pursue the kind of family tradition of getting into health. When I got into pharmacy, I really enjoyed it, but not not specifically pharmacy itself. I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed the science aspects, the biology, the chemistry. Um, just and, not anatomy. Just yeah, well, we didn't do anatomy, <laughs> so that's why I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was I really enjoyed it, and from there I wanted to expand my scope of practice because I kind of like you said after the fact I found my passion, and um, to me expanding my scope of practice uh, in terms of health would be to be able to prescribe, to be able to diagnose. Um, and in that aspect, I chose medicine. So that's kind of why I went into medicine. Did you go straight into medicine straight after you finished pharmacy? Yeah, yeah. So um, doing a doctor of medicine is a postgraduate degree, which means I have to finish my pharmacy degree before I uh, get into the, the degree itself. So I, um, in my final year, um, I was uh, just talking to you earlier. I was just saying um, I really... I really was like, you know, what, I don't want to regret it, you know, not trying at the very end. So I thought I'd give the game set a shot. Um, I nearly quit at the end and I nearly didn't do it. But then I was like, you know what, oh, I'll, no. I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the last minute jitters, I guess. And I just gave it a shot. And I mean, here we yeah. are now. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's really good. Um, I like what you both raised about your journeys. I've kind of resonated with parts of both. Um, and I guess, Yaman, it's that idea of... Um, you know, when you're in your 20s, they tell you to try things because you don't know what you want to do yet. You haven't really developed what yeah. your true passions are. You know what you're interested in, but you don't really know what you can do for the rest of your life. And I think particularly for millennials, we're going to be people who are changing our, our jobs until we probably settle down at 35. And I guess for me, the beauty of medicine is it's such a broad degree that you can... You've got massive scope of practice. You can be someone who's working on the front line in the emergency department or you can be someone who doesn't talk to patients, kind of works as a pathologist. Yeah, there's so much in medicine. You can, you can be in do. public yeah. health and work in policy, which is what I'd be interested in doing. And I think my background in research has really um, pushed me in that path. And I knew that as a researcher, yes, it's, it's fantastic that you can put out papers that doctors can read and then um, implement in their practice. But there's a beauty in, in also being someone who works with patients because then you can use that experience to take a greater sense of ownership with your research and actually do something that you're more interested in and something that you can directly benefit from yourself as mm -hmm. well. Um, so I think that's kind of what led to it in terms of my previous experience but obviously it's all those wonderful things of um, you know wanting to help people and it aligns with your interest in science, research, maths, um, surprisingly physics has come into play with cardiovascular block which I didn't expect when I was studying it for it in the GAMSAT. Um, and I just think it's that beautiful opportunity to help people at times where they feel like no no one can really help them. And it's that it's that privilege of being able to stay connected to to someone and support them. Um, like I don't think we even as first years understand how much of a privilege it is and it's something that 
see how I might understand more and something that we'll probably grow to understand with time as we get to touch people's lives. I think um, one of the things that they that we're heading towards in medicine, just in general, is we're doing the MD program rather than MBBS. So I think as a field on its own, what they want to do is they want people to go out and experience the world. They want them to get a degree, to you know, work for a bit, and then um, do a postgraduate degree rather than an MBBS, which is an undergrad, which is straight from high mm-hmm. school. So I think what you're saying is, is you know, um, and, and what Sian was saying as well, is that finding that passion later on um, is something that, that you definitely got to take into account and also, you know, dip your finger in, in every pot until you find what you really enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and medicine is one of those things that sometimes you find people that get into medicine because their parents pressured them or because, um, you know, it's just it's romanticised, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely not not the reason to get to medicine itself. Um, I actually did law for a year. Yeah. (laughs) I combined my science degree with law because I liked legal studies in year 12 and thought I would just try it, even though I've known I was interested in medicine since, you know, primary school. Um, It's that idea of just try things and see what you might be good at um, and, yeah, quickly left that after a year. (laughs) Now, but the beautiful thing about MD program is that you're bringing in your past experiences. Mm. At at least you have experiences to begin with, right? Bring those experiences into medicine and then you kind of um, adapt that into the career and you shape, you, you shape your career around what you want to do in mm. medicine. And it's such, such a broad field. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people think medicine is just, you know, you go to your GP, but there's so much more. <laughs> Definitely. Than, yeah, there's so many, there's, the other day I was hearing about um, a new special, well, not a new special, but it's a new specialty to me. It's a clinical pharmacologist. And I was, I was like, that's actually pretty interesting. I've never heard of a mm. clinical pharmacologist. Apparently it's a doctor that's a, basically a pharmacist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah, right, right? Heard, there's so I, many the scripts. The specialties I heard recently were, um, an occupational physician, which mainly focuses on, I don't know, workers' compensation yeah. or something. <laughs> and the other is a, an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, which I wouldn't have heard about until I started working for him before I got into medical school. Mm-hmm. And that's someone who is both a dentist and a doctor. You can't be that specialist if you don't yeah. have both qualifications. Oh, wow. So there's always that wide range, you know, like that you never hear of. Do you think, you know, for three of you, you probably have intentions of what you want to specialise in. Do you think you're more set in that? Do you think you're kind of open to explore? Because like you guys are saying, every day, you know, you hear of these different specialties. Do you think it might change with clinical experience or are you still set on what you initially wanted to specialise in after For medical? myself, I haven't really found what specialty I want to do. Um, I, want to tr- I want to try everything. I, mean, I want to mm. go through clinical rotations and I want to be an intern and I want to see what I enjoy the most, what I fall in love with, and then that's what I'll choose, yeah. Yeah, it's the same for me. I, I would easily be able to sit here and say, I'm interested in sport and exercise medicine, I'm interested in cardiology, but I don't think you really know, and from what I've heard when speaking to other doctors as well, is that your specialty choice will depend on who sort of takes you under their wing later, mm-hmm. um, because I guess um, your relationship with the teams is very important, the dynamic of the specialty is very important. Um, and the way that theory translates into practice. Um, so I'm interested in a few things, but I guess we'll just work it out mm. as we go, depending on how things flow. Because in first year, it's still different. Like, let's say for Siama, now that you're in third year, do you have a more solidified idea of where you want to specialise in, or you're also still thinking about it? Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, definitely some things kind of stick out more than the others, uh, certain specialties, because, for example, I know that uh, maybe my, I don't know if my personality would suit it or not, uh, but I probably wouldn't be interested in something that doesn't involve being the centre of the patient care, so something like radiology or pathology or microbiology or something like that. So those things kind of fade out, even though I find those things interesting, whereas other things come to the fore, yeah. stuff that involves a lot of um, being the centre of the patient care is what I'm trying Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, I just want to echo what was already said, which is that medicine is an extremely diverse field. Um, and it actually, I think it's going to come to some of the questions later, but there is no personality, specific personality for medicine. Every personality can kind of fit. Mm. If you're shy, then you can go to pathology, if you like. If you're really kind of uh, conscientious, if you're really like a hard worker, you can do, I don't know, some sort of procedural speciality. So there's a, if you're really into relationships, building relationships with people, you can be a general practitioner. There's so many um, fields out there so so much diversity and and there's something for everybody Mm, that's very interesting and very true as well and i mean since you guys have all you know studied in many fields when you think of gamsat because as you mentioned before you know you have to finish your undergraduate study complete it and then you can pursue into postgrad did you guys 
initially consider GAMSAT from the beginning? Was it later on? Did the thought of GAMSAT put you off or were you determined? I mean, I always hear that it's such a mental journey and a very interesting experience. But, you know, what were your, when you think of GAMSAT, what first crossed your minds and is it still the same, you know? So for myself. All right, that's summarized. That's, that's good. All right, that's that's the podcast summarized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. No, um, for myself, uh, throughout the first three years of my degree, I just I, I did have an interest in medicine, but I never thought that I'd be cut out for it. I, mm. For me, it was always this impossible thing. Like you have to be a genius to get in, right? Mm. Um, I always thought like you got to be this super smart guy, and, and for myself, I, I wasn't that guy. Okay, mm-hmm. and I felt like all these med students had this one personality that I didn't mm-hmm. have. And I feel like there's a when you get into medicine, you get the you know get ready for medicine kind of starter mm-hmm. pack, and you, part of that is some kind of personality that you have to upcarry. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't feel like I fit in with that kind of um, thing. And towards my fourth year, um, towards the end, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I don't want to be 40, 50 years old and then think back mm-hmm. and say, oh, what if I did do it? What if I what if I gave it a shot and I got in? So I, I did it as a just to get a feel for it, see if I if I you know. Um, if, if I was even cut out for it. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I nearly quit before I, before the exam day. I was like, you know what, I might just get my money back. It's $500 for an exam. That's $500 I could put in the stock market or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then I, I gave it a shot. And What um, made you stick to it? Like, what made you mostly want to quit and what made you come back to it? Honestly, the fear of, of you know, looking back one day and thinking I didn't give it a shot, that maybe I was cut out for it. Maybe I... Maybe I, I was smart enough to get in. Um, mm. I mean, to be honest, it's not even about being smart. It's about being uh, disciplined. It's about being um, able mm. to interpret data. And I think it's something you can, you can practice over time. So it's not really about being smart. It's about the dedication, I guess. Mm. How about you? Okay. I feel like a very relevant question that ties in with this is, have we ever approached the UMAT or the UCAT? Oh, yeah, I, I did the UMAT. Um, I, I did it when I was like really like it was during year high 12? school. Yeah, year twelve. <laughs> I was an idiot back then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I did not do well with the UMAT. And did that kind of turn you off? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that, that's one of the reasons that I got had this um, this this perception of, of medicine being this impossible task. Yeah. Um, and I remember I just remember being that big test center with a stadium and there was all these people and yeah. uh, I was just looking around like oh. I'm not yeah. cut out for this. Mm. This is not for me. It almost felt like a show. Like you had yeah. to just perform. <laughs> yeah. um, except your brain had to be working at 150% capacity for three hours straight. So I also sat the UMAT. Okay. Um, and definitely felt like that exam didn't resonate with me at all. I did. did you sit it once or a couple of times? I did quite poorly in the UMAT. No, I sat it a couple of times. Mm. Um, and quickly realised that it just didn't align with the way that my mm. brain worked. Um, and I so resonate with what you're saying, Mustafa, about how you can quickly start to doubt your own abilities and doubt whether you have the right personality or the brain f- to achieve what is your dream. Um, but luckily, there was another option called the GAMSAT. <laughs> and when I sat it, I quickly found that it was right, like not right up my alley, but f- like compared to the UMAT, right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was because it was... Um, more skills-based, more application-based rather than looking at how different shapes change. <laughs> um, and it felt like when I was preparing for the GAMSAT, it felt like what I was studying could be used in medical school later on. Like I genuinely mm. felt like I was preparing for my journey as a doctor rather than trying to force myself to sit and look at how shapes change. Like I, <laughs> I'll keep coming back to that example, that's section three of the UMAT or the UCAT now for those who are looking at the UCAT. Um, so yeah, definitely deterred me at first, um, but I think the GAMSAT was a breath of fresh air, mm. in the, and I never thought I'd say that in my whole life. Because usually people refrain from the GAMSAT and they try hard for the UCAT, saying GAMSAT's like an insane beast. Yeah, you know, I heard it was six hours at one point, and I was like, mm. oh my god. A big worry for me when I didn't do well with the UMAT was. I can't sit the GAMSAT. I'm not. If I can't do the three-hour exam, how am I going to do the six-hour exam? <laughs> mm. So yeah, it definitely is worrying. I think I disagree with you on the point where you say um, studying for the GAMSAT is like studying for med school. I think it's um, they did studies later on to say that yeah. your performance in the GAMSAT doesn't indicate how good of a doctor you become. Mm. Um, for me, like my GAMSAT wasn't all that. Uh, it wasn't the greatest mark, but I mean it was enough to get in. Yeah. Uh, I used it as well, um, but I think. I mean, essay writing and interpreting data—that that stuff's important as well. But it's you don't you don't see that often in med school. Mm. Um, I think it's an it's a it's a way to to cut people off from getting in. You know, or yeah. it's it's a way, it's a way to, to, to let yeah. people in, or it's a measure to kind of limit the amount of people applying. Um, but at the same time, 
I don't think it's an indicator of how good of a doctor you're going to become later on. Mm. Um, I think that they are looking at different ways of getting into med school. I think they're doing like situational judgment tests and stuff like that, mm. which might be a bit more relevant to medicine. I don't know. I think I don't think there's ever a perfect test to say that yeah. you're going to be a good doctor or not. Mm. Um, I agree. What do you think? 100%. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think, I actually think that um, the Gantt is an excellent test um, for, for, for medical school. And the thing is, the reason why is because you shouldn't, we shouldn't be thinking about, and this is going to come into how you prepare for the GAMSAT. But the GAMSAT, you shouldn't think of it as a test just about the test itself, but it's about the skills that they actually want, want to test. So there's these kind of general cognitive skills that you're supposed to be able to develop, data interpretation, how to formulate ideas, how to make an argument, how to interpret passages of text, you know, all that kind of the, the raw skill involved in that is extremely important. Now, you might, you know, what someone might say is that, uh, look, you know, doing it in a six-hour, six-hour test for it, there are a lot, all, all sorts of other factors that might be involved, like fatigue and things like that. That's very true. That's very fair. I'm not trying to say that uh, it's a perfect test, but at the same time, it still uh, tests those underlying abilities that you need to develop before you become a doctor. That's, I think, that's that's true, and that's going to come into how you prepare for it. Is that you shouldn't just think of GAMSAT as uh, just, oh, I just need to do tons of practice papers, tons of practice questions. You actually need to develop the skills that underlie success in the GAMSA, which will ultimately help you not just in medicine, but many other things as well. Then going into that, let's go through the actual sections of the GAMSA, how the GAMSA structure actually is. And as Siaman and you guys were saying, you know, the skills involved with each section, because I'm pretty sure each are very different. So, so section one, we have the um, humanities section. Uh, which is basically interpreting large pieces of text sometimes. So it could be a poem, it could be some kind of essay, it could be a quote, it could be... A piece of, um, from a journal article, so a scientific yeah. piece. Or, or, or a picture, sometimes it could just be like a little cartoon. Um, and then they ask you questions about that, so they test you, kind of test your understanding or, or how you, what you understood from that mm. piece of, of literature, what it, what it, what like it may be. More like reading comprehension. Yeah, kind that's of right. Um, section two is uh, essay writing, so they give you um, yeah, some prompts and then you have to write two essays, I think it's within an hour or so. I think that it's changed based on COVID guidelines mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Um, and then section three is when you is the part that I shine in, uh, the chemistry, biology and physics um, section. It's, it's a sciences section and that in that section you, um, again, to be honest, it's actually, it's not a lot of, um, you don't have to understand the content for this one and I'll, I'll, we'll go into it later, but... Yeah. I think it's, again, more comprehension. Mm-hmm. So most of the times they, they'll give you a, a question, you know, a science question, but they'll give you the relevant data or, or the information for you to understand it. Um, so you basically you have to look at the information that they give you. They, they don't ask you to memorise any kind of content beforehand. Um, so anyone can kind of look at it and interpret it, and then it's based on how, much, how you're able to interpret the data in a short period of time. I yeah. think that's what it really tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find a lot of people studying trying to understand all these concepts and trying to memorize and learn all these things but I think it's not really that's not the way to study for it I think it's more about doing it under a short period of time yeah I 100% agree um, it's a reasoning exam it's not a recall exam mm. so whilst you need to understand the concepts I think a lot of the data that you need to solve the questions is on front in front of you on the page mm. um, it's just a matter of how quickly can you process that information and take what you need without getting distracted by all the side parts of the question that they will throw in there to throw you off Mm. Um, and you can definitely get better at that by practicing although I definitely agree with what's been said in that the GAMSAT is not a perfect exam it is very much there as a measure because the um, the number of students applying to get into medical school is far greater than the number of spots available so they have to make this exam grueling Um, but what is it like? Fifteen thousand people a year, or something oh, like that. Twenty thousand, just for the postgrad. Yeah, just just, just MD. Oh my god! Mind you, these are people that already have degrees. So, like, yeah. one of the ways to limit the amount of people applying is you have to have a degree before yeah. you even apply, right? Mm. Unlike um, MBBS, where you can just come out of high school. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's heaps. Crazy. And then there's limited amount of unis, like offering it as well, isn't yeah. it? It's not like every uni offers no, it either. That's right. Yeah. That was my question in my interview, actually. And uh, I can talk about it because um, Wollongong is very open. Like, they, they're okay with us talking about interview questions. Um, uh, my question was, why you? You know, all these people have applied. Or sat the GAMSAT, you know, 4,000 people have applied to University of Wollongong. Now, 170 have been given interview offers. Wow. And 70 are going to get in. Like, tell us why you... That's so brilliant. And, it's, and, they, and, 
and they wonder why we have imposter syndrome. Because once you get in, once you get in, you're like, far out. Why me? <laughs> why did they choose me? They made a mistake. Um, 100%. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, but I think my favourite section in the GAMSAT was written communication. The essay section. And I want to throw a disclaimer out there as well, is if you are confident in talking about the themes in, in the context of a poem, please write a poem. It doesn't have to be an essay. And that's because they just want to see how well you can talk about different ideas and synthesise them so that it makes sense in 30 minutes. I wrote one essay and then the second one I wrote a letter to my dad. Um, they, they, they love that kind of stuff. You have to stand yeah. out. I mean, if you just write essays, they get bored. I mean, yeah, they want to see yeah. something different. They want to see you able to demonstrate your knowledge and um, comprehension in a way that's not just very plain. And, and you know, mm. you, you want to you want to stand out from yeah, the twenty thousand people. If you're a good essay writer, write essays. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a good poem writer, write poems. If you're good at being creative, be creative. Mm. I think it's about playing to your strengths, isn't it? Because I wrote essays, and I did. I think I did quite fine in that section. But um, no, but I. Yeah. I agree that they, you need to, do need to find a way to stand out. Yeah. Uh, as long as you find it, find that way, mm. um, however you do it, I think it's fine. And going on that, Siaman, what kind of skills do you think you really need to utilise for each of those three sections as well? Okay, so for, okay, so for section number one, it's a bit harder to really get at the kind of meat of it um, <laughs> I about what the skill actually <laughs> is. Yeah. Uh, like what it actually is, I, I, I actually don't know. Uh, it's, it's more <laughs> section two, on the other hand, is more about. Uh, I found, for example, reading a lot helped me a lot with that section. Reading not non-fiction, don't, not reading fiction, reading non-fiction. For at least for the way I approach it, which is essay writing, writing about concepts, philosophy, whatever the hell you want to write. Um, my approach to that, I really benefit from reading a lot of material, reading about how a lot of other authors structure their arguments um, and be able to make a good argument um, because most people when they write essays they don't actually make a point and they don't actually know how to argue anything um, but if you actually read how true authors like true intellectuals discuss things then you can kind of try to come off of that's why and that's for section two so it's really about reading and broadening this again this is again how i approached it right which is essay writing Perhaps Jalen will say something different about poems. Perhaps Musaf will say something different as well. Um, but the way I approached it was you have to really broaden your knowledge and broaden your general understanding of how uh, argumentation, politics, philosophy all works. That's section two. Section three, um, I actually benefited a lot from my statistics education, I think, because, again, as uh, Mustafa said, I think uh, there's very little actual science in the science section. Most of it is just um, in the question. I knew very little science coming into it. Uh, I had maybe one elective in human biology in my first year. I did really poorly in that. It's probably one of my worst subjects because I just didn't, didn't apply myself there. But I came in with that kind of poor background and I was just able to do really well in that section. And that's just because I was very already very familiar with how um, data interpretation works, things like that, how scientific writing works, which I think you learn a lot in, mm. uh, in statistics education. So I think that's what you needed for me to develop, that kind of skill. Yeah. And, I mean, there's always so many resources out there to help with studying. Earlier, Siaman said it wasn't only about, you know, doing past papers only. What did you guys... Now I go to the tips and tipping into that PTSD part, but what kind of things, you know, did help you prepare for it? Did you need hours and hours a day? Because at the same time, considering you're a uni student at this time, you're completing your course as well. You know, how much commitment did you need to do? Yeah. What worked for you, what didn't? And all that sorts of stuff in the GAMSAT exam section. So I had a different approach to Siamon. Um, I, w- with section one, I did a, a lot of um, uh, speed reading, all right? So my mm. problem is, English. I'm very bad at English, okay? Whether it be <laughs> spelling, reading, or writing, I read very slowly. Um, I think what, uh, my excuse is English is my third language. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, is Arabic, it? Arabic, Farsi, and English. Oh, okay. Anyways, not the second one, sorry? A Farsi, a Persian, oh, no, Iranian. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, That's a good excuse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a damn good excuse, <laughs> right? Um, but, uh, yeah, so what I, I practice is I practice reading really quickly because you're very time limited. I think um, we calculated you end up with like 40 seconds per question, but that doesn't take into account that you actually have to read the pieces of text before yeah. answering the question. Mm. Um, so I practice reading re- really quickly. Um, and my problem is when I read really quickly, I don't understand what I'm reading. I'm, uh, words yeah. go into my brain, yeah. but they leave at the same time. Mm. So I, that's what I did for Section 1. Section 2, I did what I did for HSC. I kind of... Um, 
wrote a very generic essay and then when I got when I got a response or stimuli I would mold it to that stimuli um, and I had those kind of pre prepared beforehand um, and I, you can kind of this is probably bad advice but you can probably kind of guess what they're gonna give you what kind of stimuli they're gonna give you that year because um, there's different themes um, I can't tell you off the top of my head but there's different themes each year and obviously they're not gonna give two themes in a row so you can kind of eliminate which ones they're just gonna be mm -hmm. section three I did practice papers um, I just did a lot of questions and practice those because um, for me again it was it was all time limitation if you give me a whole day I'll get 100% on that paper yeah. but I'm, you don't have all day okay so you have to be able to do it really quickly understand what you're reading and then answer the question as fast as possible yeah. I love the confidence. <laughs> Even if you gave me four weeks, I wouldn't get out of <laughs> section three. Um, but I definitely see where you're trying to go, is that, you know, you can achieve it um, because it's not a recall-based exam. It's it's all there on the paper for you. Yeah. The biggest yeah. hurdle with section three and all these sections is the amount of time that you have. Um, How so would, for what me, would you say, sorry, just cutting you, what would you yeah. say, because I do hear very often that yeah. people say GAMS, that's an advantage because it's a lot of recall as well. You ha can have the yeah. opportunity to study for content. So you would say, let's say for Section 3 Science, yeah. it doesn't involve that much content memorising beforehand. Would you say that? Or would you say you should still memorise and learn different concepts before yeah. tackling the third section? You should definitely learn the concepts so it will definitely help so for example I think Mustafa is at an advantage because he comes from a science background so I mm -hmm. think um, when you come from a science background you already know the basic concepts which means you can cut the time spent reading the first or two or second paragraph of that paper and get straight to the data mm -hmm. um, but when I say it's not a recall based exam it, it doesn't really matter whether you know the concepts or not you could still get the questions wrong if you can't interpret that data quickly mm -hmm. um, so um, with section one, I agree with Mustafa. I spent a lot of time trying to read faster. Um, I've always loved reading, but the GAMSAT level of reading is very different. <laughs> so you need to be get better at like, I don't know what the different techniques that they put out are, but reading like five words in a line and still understanding what that line means. Mm -hmm. um, and other techniques that you might use might be to go straight to the questions so you can kind of prime your thinking as you're reading the passage. There's different schools of thought about that. Some people think that reading the questions first can throw you off and mislead you in reading the passage. So you just have to try both and see what works for you. And that's the biggest tip I would give is try new things, make time to try new things. Um, some people do well by studying only on weekends. Other people have to do two hours a day. So mm -hmm. it just depends on where your starting point is at. Um, and then for me, for section two, um, this was my strongest section. Um, I scored in the 100 percentile for this section and I say that I say that because I just want to give people the confidence that it doesn't matter if like so English is my second language as well but like it, it doesn't matter what your starting point is this section is the one you can improve the most so section one it's I, I found it very difficult to improve even though I spent time speed reading um, but section two if you can develop different ideas that you are confident with. For example, for me, one might have been, I love uh, talking about how different people communicate. Mm. That was something that I was interested in, the more like sociocultural themes. A second point might be like rural health. I want to talk about this. And then if you look at the theme that you've been given, you can kind of mould what's in your mind according to like the theme or kind of mould what you already know and develop an argument based off that. So it's not like preparing, because you can never prepare, you can never guess. Yeah. You can get close, but you, ne oh, you can get lucky, but you can, I don't know. I, don't know. I got lucky, I don't, yeah. Okay, you got lucky, but I, I never got lucky. I slipped through the cracks, I slipped through the cracks, I don't know how I got here. Hey, just to in interject real quick, yeah. um, in terms of doing questions and stuff like that, so the Acer website, so Acer is the people that do the campsite, they actually um, sell past papers. Um, mm. And there's also a website called Grad Ready. Um, Grad Ready, I thought was very good. Um, it's a money scam. It, it's a money <laughs> scam, but like it, it gives you an idea. If you have no idea what you're doing, it yeah, gives you kind yeah. of a general ballpark of, of what's what's going on. They give you past um, years kind of marks of, of yeah. people of what they got in, of mm. the cutoff of what they what they got in for the universities. Um, it gives you a good idea of, of what to aim for and how to do. So Grad Rate has a lot of information. Mm. I think there's also a resource called um, Paging. Paging doctor. Paging doctor, yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, and that's, I think it's got it's a forum for like, you know, past medical students and stuff like that, that mm. can give some good advice. 
So these are some resources that um, I used, you know, when I was kind of preparing for it because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, and one experience. Yeah. Hallowed to Health is really good as well. That's what helps me with Section 2. What was that, sorry? Hallowed to Health. Okay. They're one of the newer organisations um, and most of the money they, s- they earn from Med Hopefuls goes to charity, to educating students yeah. in the Philippines. So I just feel like their intentions are in a very At different place. <laughs> um, and um, less of a money scam, is it? Yeah, I guess they're both money scams. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, all, it's all a money scam, but if it gets you in, it gets you in. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, another thing that really helped me was other medical students. So I think things like this is great, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of medical friends, like I met friends, and mm-hmm. I, I just picked their brains and bothered the hell out of them. I, th- I don't even know if I'm friends with them anymore. <laughs> I think they hate me now. But I asked them so many questions, um, and that's what you really need to do. I mean, you're not, you're not here alone. Uh, de- mm-hmm. Definitely approaching alone is, is going to be a disadvantage. So it's good to have you know past students in your corner and ask. Each person yeah. got in in a certain way. Each person you know answered a question for the interview you know differently. Everyone mm-hmm. had a different approach for GameSat. So ask everyone as many people as you can, yeah. um, and get their advice. Even if it's bad advice, it's advice to begin with. Yeah. You know. You know what not to do, what to do, and yeah, everything. 100%. How about for Siaman? Is there any resources or tips you'd say as well? Yeah, uh, I just yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to clarify something I said. Uh, I don't want to give off the impression that doing past papers isn't a good idea. It is absolutely a good idea, but uh, just with any skill, for example, if you're going to play rugby league, for example, at a high level, uh, people who train that they don't just practice rugby, they don't just play practice games. They do strength training, they do cardiovascular ex- exercise, they will do all sorts of this other kind of general stuff, and they also do the specific stuff. You know, the specific skills, you know, kicking the ball in a way that's accurate or whatever the hell they do. The same kind of approach will work with any skill, and in particular, GAMSAT. So when I'm talking about the, uh, developing the general skills required to be a good GAMSAT student, so that, at least the way I approach it, you know, reading a lot, knowing a lot, broadening your knowledge a lot, becoming very good at science, like interpretation of data or things like that, becoming very familiar with that realm. In addition, you should also do specific learning for the GAMSAT. In terms of the resources I used for that, because I came from a, a not a, I guess not a traditional background, I don't know how you describe it, I had to learn a, the organic chemistry myself in particular. I had to learn a bit of the biology myself. And so I used a book called um, Gold Standard. I don't know exactly the full name, but it's a, it's a very popular uh, book, I think. I used their, um, uh, I think they have one on organic chemistry and biology. I used that book. And I also got a, a book of 10 past papers from the same company. And I basically, that's all I use. That's, that's basically the resources I use in addition to the ASA material. What I did, I think, uh, was I actually set that the summer of the year that I got in, the one that I got a really good mar- uh, score in, the summer of that year was GAM, my GAMSAT summer, right? You can't. You have to, that's your number one priority. It needs to be your number one priority. If you're not willing to do that, then, I mean, you might get in if you're lucky or something, I don't know, but you've got to put the time and effort in. And that's, that's. I think I actually attribute that to my success, not necessarily the resources, although that's very important, but the actual time where you actually sit down deeply, deeply and actually concentrate well, not, you know, every couple of hours you check Facebook or check your emails or something like that and pretend you're studying, but actually deeply engaging the material that's what I attribute to my success. Um, when I was talking earlier about spending time preparing for the GAMSAT, feeling like it was very useful in preparing for my career as a doctor, I think I was um, very much touching on what Siamans is just talking about now, about how you have to learn to set aside time for this thing on top of full-time uni, on top of all your other commitments, is can I set aside in the day one hour or two hours um, because that's exactly what medical school is. You're, we're working minimum 40 hours a week, um, or I guess working as a doctor as well, minimum full-time, and then you've got other things that get in the way, life gets in the way, and you just have to be able to manage everything. So I think that's why the GAMSAT is a very good time period, as difficult as it, as it is, it teaches you how to manage a lot of things at once and still be effective and efficient. Um, and I agree, I also use the gold standard and that was very helpful with brushing up on physics because I don't have a strong background in physics. Um, although it's very easy to get carried away in thinking you have to know a lot of theory and that's where the practice papers comes into play because you have to know that 
yes, you know, you could understand the human cardiovascular system well, but they're not going to ask you about a human. They're going to ask you about a rabbit's cardiovascular system, which you have no, no idea about. Um, so I think that's why the practice papers help with managing your time as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not only the gamsaptin there because you have your uni, your uni marks, your experience for either the portfolio or the interviews. Interviews would obviously be much more gruelling because it has more people. So with the GAMSA, after you guys completed the GAMSA exam, we went through the tips and everything. But with the whole portfolio with, for some unis, for the interview aspect, what was your experiences with that? What kind of tips, you know, sometimes I just heard earlier you can't speak very openly with some unis about your interview experiences. But what are some tips or some preparations that you guys went through? We can go off with Siaman first. So what's kind of the experiences, the tips? Did you do a portfolio? If not, how did you primarily do the interview, prepare, how do you feel on the day, etc. Yeah, so my, sure, so uh, just about the interviews in particular. Uh, so I had two interviews, one at University of Sydney and one at ANU. And I'll be completely honest with you, I did, I tried my best to use it because I like use it, I wanted to get into use it, and I tried really hard for that interview. I didn't get in. I, I didn't try it much at all for the ANU one, I just did it because I got the offer and I got it. So um, I think a lot of it what is, was, I think, my practice on the day. It was my first interview, medical interview. You said I was really nervous. Uh, I think that is probably going to be, the, in my opinion, probably one of the number one things that will go against you if you're the nervous type of person. You have to be confident. You have to be relaxed. And I think actually that worked to my advantage because I wasn't as passionate about getting into a let's say, because I wanted to stay in Sydney. I was a bit more laid back. I was a bit more relaxed, a bit more natural. And I think that really helped my performance, probably. In terms of my preparation, uh, there, there's, a, there's some ba- bank of path interview questions floating out there somewhere. Uh, someone gave me one many years ago. I mean, I don't know how I had it, but there's like these past um, interview questions or a bank of interview questions from each university. It's not very updated, but I, I, that's what I used generally. Um, and I just practiced based on those. I didn't have many rehearsed answers. Uh, I just practiced, basically. It's more about becoming confident, being able to speak off the cuff and naturally and without not without being nervous. Mm. Mm. And how about you? I think Jaylon, you did portfolio as, as well. So how did you do for the portfolio and your interview experience? And I had a CASPER situational judgment test as well. Oh, Wollongong is very intense with the application process in the sense that they've got a lot of parts to it. Um, and that's why I talk about how the GAMSAP journey prepared me for everything else because I had to simultaneously think about the CASPA as well as my portfolio Um, and I'd actually applied the year before and had an interview and didn't get through at the University of Wollongong as well so I had a bit of an understanding about what they expected Um, and for me the process just involved um, going and hunting down those interview questions from Paging Doctor or whatever forum that they provided and thinking about what are my opinions on things? More than trying to rehearse answers, because you can't rehearse. They're always going to throw crazy questions at you. You need to be able to articulate what is on your mind in a, in a, in a way that resonates with the people that you're talking to. Um, so that meant I had study groups with people, so we'd kind of ask each other questions and about anything really, abortion, surrogacy, and just see what people's different perspectives were. Because when you know what the different perspectives on topics are, then you can articulate your response without sounding one-sided because you can actually acknowledge the other side even though there's no other side in that particular interview room. The interviewers aren't going to tell you their perspective on on the idea, so you have to be able to kind of touch them without them talking. Um, So practising questions definitely helped and also being across um, different I guess, you know, news articles, different things that were coming out, which kind of coincided with my GAMSAT Section 2 preparation. So I found that when I was preparing for Section 2, I was also preparing for my interview. So I don't think it's a, it's a start and stop process. When you finish the GAMSAT, you start for the interview. It's a continuous learning journey. Um, and I also did a mock um, MMI with Hallett to Health as well. Um, and that would kind of just help me with timing. But you could even set that up with your friends. You don't have to pay for that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I think uh, I think you touched on some something pretty pretty good actually. What you what you're saying, 
Um, you definitely have to be kind of woke to speak politically um, yeah. in what's going on in this day and age. You don't have to perhaps give a your own perspective. You don't have to be affirmative in one side or the other. Yeah. There's always one side or the other for some whatever political yeah. debate that's going on. Um, but you just have to demonstrate that you understand what's going on. So you have when you give your answer, you have to speak about both sides and you have to show that you understand. You're not just um, you know doing what's mainstream media. Um, but in, in saying that, there's a lot of a lot of the questions are usually the same or, or have the same kind of background. So why do you want to do medicine? Why should we choose you? That kind of stuff. I mean, you have to have an answer prepared for that. While you said you shouldn't rehearse your answers, yeah. I think having something prepared is is better than just kind of winging it. Um, know why you're doing it. Like yeah. I had three reasons for why I wanted to do medicine, and I knew I was going to say them if they asked me, and I did say them. But it wasn't like you don't you don't memorize the script. Yeah, yeah, don't memorize yeah. the script. Kind of. Um, but obviously have something yeah. prepared for yourself. Yeah. Um, don't give anything cliche. Don't just say, um, I want to do medicine because I want to help people. I mean, you know, a garbage man helps people. A person that works in fast food helps people. Teachers unique. help people. Mm. Don't don't just give the cliche, I want to help people. Because okay? everyone wants to help people. No one says, oh, I don't, I don't want to help people. That's why I want to do medicine. It's just, mm. It just doesn't make sense. Um, in saying that, when it came to preparing for everything else other than GAMSAT, each university looks at different things um, when it comes to selecting their candidates. So I know, for example, UCID um, has a big emphasis on GAMSAT marks um, before they give you know anything else. Um, some universities have weighted uh, GPAs and stuff like that. So depending on how you did in your undergrad, um, they look at those marks. Or sometimes um, some universities, universities use, uh, what you said, CASPER was a situational judgment test. So they all have different criteria. So make sure when you're applying to different universities, Make sure you kind of um, tickle their fancy, so to speak. So do 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 or have an approach um, of of you know getting into medicine in a way that that university wants the most. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I did. I know Notre Dame doesn't really care that much, for example, for um, for your marks. They they look at mostly your portfolio and what you did outside of medicine um, before your application. So like volunteering and. And, you know, if you have, like, for example, uh, if you're already a healthcare practitioner, they kind of they give you extra marks or something like that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so just look at each different university, see what you what they look for the most and, and have that kind of approach. I think the most important thing is to not limit yourself. I know some people that have a very, very skewed perception of medicine. They say, oh, I only want to do it at this university. At the end of the day, med is med, no matter where you go, if you do mm-hmm. it in Tasmania or if you do it, you know, at UCID. Um, it doesn't matter where you do it. It's med is med. When you graduate, you're a doctor. Uh, so I think apply everywhere, and it's it's going to be a bit more time consuming because each application will have its own kind of niche. Again, each university looks for different things, but it's it's going to maximise your chances of getting in. Okay, I, I just could just echo exactly the same point. Is that you should apply everywhere because I made that mistake of not doing that, um, and that that cost me time. Uh, in the end, I didn't even get to the place where I wanted to go, right? But I still took it because. You, ha- you have to at some point just bite the bullet. So I, I get to play everywhere and you have to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, having that open perspective and open arms to anything that you get at the end of the day, because like you said, med is med. It's, med is med. No one cares which uni you graduate from when you start being a doctor. No one's going to go, oh, this uni is different than the other. Then going into it, especially since you two are first year and then with Siam being a third year student, how do you guys transition into med school? Because you finish a course, you start a new course. It's obviously postgrad. I can imagine is different than undergrad. So how did you guys transition? Was it a big change? You know, even for Siaman, looking in hindsight as well. Siaman, how did you find your transition into your medical studies, and you know, what helped you get used to, let's say, being in a different state, even? Yeah. So the first few months was a bit tough because this is all completely new material to me. All of the medical science, most like seventy percent of my cohort, are come come from biomedicine or medical science. Um, so it was very new to me. But I just sat down and I actually just studied. Um, I think to me, I think the first one of the first times in my life that I actually properly studied properly, like fully properly, was the gamut that I got in with. And then I actually, when I was studying medicine, I actually learned how to study. I think most people don't really know how to study. Uh, so I learned to study, and that, that's really the main thing that helped me um, in terms of the transition. Before that, I was just relying on, oh, you know, this subject, I enjoy it, and so I'm just going to study it here and there, and, and I'm just going to get to the end of the semester and do well in the exam, and then I can forget about the content I learned. It's very, very different 
mentality matters. Everything you learn, you have to keep most of it. Uh, a lot of people forget what they learn, but uh, the best doctors that I've found in my experience, my supervisors and everything like that, are the doctors who knew a lot, uh, who retained a lot, uh, who were able to apply what they knew. So uh, learning how to study and being serious about it is what I think got me through the first few years. I had a different approach. So um, for me, first year medicine, it's, it's actually very similar to third year pharmacy. So third year pharmacy is um, staged into blocks. So block one would be cardiovascular, block, block two would be respiratory and so on and so forth. Um, and at the end of each block, you'd have an exam. You said medicine is exactly the same. Um, so yeah, you, we start off with you know different blocks and we go through each system. So for me, I, I don't really care about the, the knowledge aspect of things because I, I kind of know most of the information. Um, but for me, it was having to get back into studying. So for by the, by the time you finish your, your degree, you know, for, for me, pharmacy, I fourth year pharmacy, I was just over it. I don't want to study anymore. I want to start working. And then I graduated and I'm back into medicine and now I'm studying again. So for me, I had to get back into the studying mode. Um, for me, I, I'm, well, I'm used to working. I'm used to speaking to patients. And now I have to open a book again. And I absolutely hate that. Uh, I looked at all my friends that are, that are doing pharmacy right now. They're all pharmacists and they're all working. They're not studying. So you, you kind of have that that FOMO, that fear of missing out. You see everyone starting their lives and I have to get back into studying. And uh, not to talk about um, you know, the, the negative side of things, you always get imposter syndrome. So you always see everyone that you feel like they're so smart and and, yep. and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, do I do I belong here? Should I be a doctor? Like, how did I even get in? Did they make a mistake? So that, that kind of mentality. I think every single med student has that. And if they say they don't, they're lying to you. And they, but like, I'm just like, critiquing myself now for thinking the same thing because yeah. the process is so difficult to get in like it just doesn't logically make sense yeah for us to be how thinking do we get that. in here yeah so but, but the, the very important thing is though you have to believe that you are able to do medicine right you have to believe that you have that in yourself otherwise yeah. you would never have done it that's right i mean um, that's, that's so why... you, you can't you can't you, everyone has that kind of imposter syndrome true but everyone also probably has that the opposite of that which is that no I can do this. Yeah. And you should, uh, anyone who's uh, not in medicine and trying to be, shouldn't weigh on that imposter syndrome only. They need to manifest some of that confidence. If we got I through think. the gaps out, we'll get through anything, guys. I mean, that's one of the things yeah. I was saying. So transitioning into the actual medicine <laughs> yeah. studying aspect, you have to get yeah. over that imposter syndrome. You have to be able to say, hey, look, I don't know what this is. I want to learn what it is. Um, instead of, you know, trying to show that you you know everything like all the other yeah. med students and you, you don't want to, you know, seem that you don't seem like you don't belong there. Um, mm. So that's just one of the things that I had to overcome. Um, for me, because I was preparing for the GAMSAT recently, anyway, I think again that kind of brought me back into that s- discipline of sitting with a book, learning stuff that you don't particularly resonate with. For example, physics. Um, and for me, that's pharmacology now. But you still have to do it. And I guess what I'm called you so good. What okay, do you mean? you're a pharmacist. Your pharmacist opinion doesn't matter. Beautiful. <laughs> um, so what I've been trying to do is find different resources. For me, I found that self-reflection has been really important because previously I used to be a person who loved textbooks and could learn things from a textbook. But now I've got no recommended textbook. They've thrown 15 textbooks at me, and I have to work out which ones are the most useful. So I'm finding that uh, playing a balance between using textbooks and also going to videos. There's like Osmosis, there are different websites that explain things in a far more interesting way. Um, And also um, a far more, I guess, detailed way for you to then um, kind of bounce back. And University of Wollongong is a bit different with the layout. Yes, we do have blocks as well, but we don't have an end of block exam. Um, They're formative exams, so you don't, have to do them and instead what we have is an end of year end of phase exam which means that it's all the more important to stay committed to your study schedule because it's not possible to cram at the end of the year Mm. um so for me you guys have a weird kind of system you you don't do blocks like you do blocks but you don't have exams at the end you have an exam at the end of the year yes so we've we've got we've got end of formative like a formative end of block exams but they're not assessed instead we've got um assessed clinical competencies like history taking so you do you do have to like know everything (laughs) you can't just like delete out of your brain at the end of the block (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. i have to know the whole year's worth at the end of the year what's was saying basically all right so you guys have to be basically good doctors at the end of the day right you need to be (laughs) we're all going to be assessed again and again on the same thing so (laughs) don't delete anything (laughs) from your brain (laughs) 
Um, I was just going to say a, a key thing for me as well has been balancing other things. I always knew that if I was just doing medical school, if I was just a medical student and doing nothing else, if I wasn't doing saga, for example, I would feel like... That's your whole life. And that puts far more pressure on a person when they don't succeed in an exam yeah. or don't do well in something. You need other things going for you. Exactly. Mm. So I've got Taekwondo, I've got Saga, I've got other things, and that just gives me a nice break from medical yeah. school I've got, I've got well. pharmacy, I've got my TikTok. Um, yeah, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok famous, guys. Check yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah, so having all those different things to lighten off the load. Yeah. We're cutting a little bit short with time, just to end, you know, because it all became very serious study-based. Is there any nice stories that, you know, you guys experienced whilst being medical students that reaffirmed your confidence or kind of reminded you, you know, why you're doing medicine? Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure if it's a nice story, but it's, it's something that's, I think, I feel like it's going to stick with me till the end of my career. Um, on my first day in clinical, so this is the first time we were in hospital, um, we were taken over, taken by this doctor, and he's, he's a GP. Um, and he said, the first thing he said to us was, everyone here is a failure of the system. So we shouldn't have anyone in the hospital. If we're doing everything correctly in community, you know, if we're preventing diabetes, they wouldn't have diabetic ulcers that have to be treated in hospital and vice versa, or whatever it is. Um, and every day that I'm in clinical school, I'm in working in hospital or whatever, and I see all these patients, most of the time, I'm not going to say every time, most of the time, he, it's, it's a situation where we look and say, you know what, we could have prevented this, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be a, an error in a procedure or it's an infection that was caused by something else, you know, improper hand hygiene or something, or um, poorly treated diabetes. Like I actually got a patient that was really annoying me <laughs> um, who had uncontrolled diabetes that led to renal failure and that led to all these other problems. Um, it's and it's it's a motivation for me to think actually um, that if I do a good job one day, that we would prevent as many people going to hospital as possible. Mm, oh wow, that's a nice thought. How about you, Jalen? Any interesting things that stick out? Not really. Any experiences or what you're looking forward to? Anything? Very much looking forward to pulling myself out of theory and doing things <laughs> more practically full time. So that'll be me next year this time, but. Um, nothing really sticks out, but I guess, um, you know, with our first case-based learning, which is where they throw a, a patient at you, and we've got simulated patients who come in and sit in the lecture theatre and pretend to have a problem, and we kind of troubleshoot what my, the problem might be. To do that on your first day, I think, <sighs> really reaffirmed that the dean and all the academics there have so much faith in us, as much as we have that imposter syndrome, for them to ask us what processes might be going on. Yes, we're too young to know what diagnoses they might have, but what processes, what infl- inflammatory processes, for example, um, could be going on for that patient to have that presentation. And I think doing that, you kind of feel like you're, I don't know, medical detectives working things out with a bunch of mates. And it feels like that every fortnight now we have a new patient case and we apply the same principles of working together as a team. So I really enjoy that aspect of working with peers um, and yeah, I think that's that's probably something that I really look forward to, as well, as well as people really giving you the opportunity to voice your opinions and not um, not kind of cutting you back. Sometimes, um, yeah, I, I guess you could feel limited if if you could be so wrong about something and someone kind of makes you feel like you're so wrong for it. But at least in my experience at my uni, um, everyone is so willing to support you. Uh, maybe because well, our exam is pass-fail as opposed to being graded. So your marks mm. really don't matter. What matters is that we all pull each other through. Mm. So, yeah, it's quite supportive. Mm. And for Siamen, because you're a third-year student as well, you might have more experience. Um, is there any other stories that stood out to you that will stick to you as well? Um, yeah, there are some. Uh, would you call them positive? Uh, if they involve you know, a patient being seriously ill, so that might not be seen as positive, but uh, what's amazing is when you see them come in and then when you see them come out of the hospital, mm. completely new, a complete change of personality. Maybe they, they came in because they had a perforated stomach, peptic ulcer, and it's because they drank too much that night, and then they come out saying they never touch a drink again. There's many kind of stories like that. But in general, uh, probably what sticks out to me the most is how many times I've been told by patients thank you thank you so much for for what you're doing um which is really quite humbling 
Um, and it, it really goes to show that, uh, that what I chose or what, what I ended up getting into uh, was really the right choice because people are appreciative of it and you have a huge responsibility in your hands for the future to be competent, to be good, to be the best that you can be. And uh, fundamentally, that attitude that I, I'm i trying to uh, replicate, which is being, being excellent, being responsible is something that I think actually underlies a successful gaps at performance and, uh, and everything, which is you have to seek to be the best. You have to seek to be excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was inspiring, Lee Rob. I don't know, hopefully maybe we can even have a part two because it looks like people still had a lot to say. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thank and you for having us. No, not at all. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much for taking out your time. It was really good, really informative as well, especially for myself listening to this. But it will be available hopefully on Spotify, on YouTube, on Saga Connect.